I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the podcast. The podcast. And I'm not Theo today. It's or, or any day. <laughs> or um, any day. <laughs> there cannot be. There can be only one. Um, <laughs> and I'm not Juliet because there also That's cannot true. be only one. Fortunately for the world, there can only be one. Um, uh, so I was shaking bacon. Oh, how dare you ask me that question? Because nothing, <laughs> not, nothing is going on. Yet again, another it's not week that I of don't nothing. Ask you every month or every week, huh? <laughs> Both of us are like, um, what day is it? What's happening? Where are we? Um, I know exactly. A bunch of nothing, um, which on many levels is good because Christmas and New Year's was just like all consuming, and the social whirlwind that completely blew all of my circuits because it's been a long time since I've been that socially active which sounds yeah weird to my ears to say but yeah so um i clipped some rose bushes yesterday um oh nice i know right um three of them and they're all small but i'm making it sound like i went out and clipped a whole field no it was it was three it took 10 minutes um yeah and then ran around town and did made up stuff to do well, let's go to this store and look at those things. Let's go to this that other store and fun. look at those other things. You it, got a smoothie. Fun if you're me. I I did. I paid $13 for a 24-ounce smoothie. Um, at least you don't have Erewhon there. That's like $24 for a 24-ounce smoothie or something. I'm told by TikTok. I've never heard of that. Oh, really? It's like a Whole Foods type of thing on steroids. And everything is super, super natural and super healthy and super expensive. So um, go there when you're in LA next time and check it out. They have they have this one smoothie that everyone talks about that's like really expensive, and I don't know why everyone talks about it, but just maybe because it's really expensive. I wonder if it's one of those where they like put gold foil in it because you know. Oh, that's I don't how think it's that it kind. Of. I think it's just really healthy and natural, and that's why it's so expensive. But, Weird. But there's plenty of places that you can get gold foil in your smoothie. I'm sure, especially in LA. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure that's. That yeah. feels like a given. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you're going to Palm Springs soon, aren't you? Uh, I may be going to Palm Springs soon. I may oh, be you think doing. You might. Yeah. I thought you were definitely going. Oh I, well, so I was definitely going, uh-huh. but now I have to go to the Philippines for work, uh-huh. and so that's like a 17-hour time difference and a 30-hour journey with layovers yeah. and all that bullshit oh, factored God. in. Um, and I'm going for four days. And so, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, man. Uh, so, Why do you have to go in person? A great question that I asked. <laughs> you just need to shake the hands and squeeze the flesh. It, it is an important event, and I am to be there. Okay, and good. that, And I'm excited about that, but the journey and the time difference is just like, any excitement is like uh, crunched by that so um yeah so now now because of all that i'm never going anywhere again (laughs) (laughs) that's it you won't be allowed to go anywhere from now on um but it should be interesting where are you where are you going through what where where, what airports are you changing planes at oh my god that is curious (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should be able to answer that, but oh, you don't know. I'm, okay, I don't. Fine. I mean, the tickets are purchased and all that, so it could be fun. You could be going through some fun airports. Well, I'm, I mean, like I'm going to through Tokyo. Uh, there you go. I love the Tokyo airport. Never been, so excited for the it's two awesome. hours I'll spend on the ground there. Um, yeah. Let me see. Um, and I think I changed one other place, but I'm one of those terrible travelers where it's just like. I'm going from L.A. to 
I don't know, uh, London. And if the, if mm-hmm. I have to change planes 10 times, it doesn't matter to me because oh, really? it's point it's it's where am I getting on and then I, it's taxi to taxi for me. Where do I have okay. to catch a taxi? Where do I have to catch the other taxi? All the other stuff okay. where I change gates, it just it's it just doesn't register with me. Um, well, that's nice. That makes it easier because for me, it's a big fucking deal if I have to chase planes. So. And for James, it's a big deal. And he yeah. is one of those travelers where it's like, um, oh, I have to go to New York City, but I'll be flying at 737 from Austin to Dallas. And then I'm changing planes to Dallas and I have a 25 minute layover. So I can only have a, oh my God, that's like, not enough in Dallas. Every step of the way. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every every minute every connection uh, he'll even tell me i land in terminal c and then i have to take the train to terminal a are you yep. fucking kidding me yeah how do you know well, it that makes a difference because you have to get from one terminal to the other and in dallas especially it matters okay so, so we we are married to the wrong people for traveling together <laughs> uh-huh. you need to be married to james and brent and i need to go on vacation together <laughs> right yeah that would be great Right, I wish. Done. I mean, you guys can chill out. Not know where not to go. About, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which oh. and not hold me back because I'm getting on and I'm getting off and that's the end of it. Right. Um, I was uh, I was trying to explain to James how little I cared about this uh, yeah. the journey to the Philippines. Yeah. Right. And the yeah. equipment changes and all that bullshit. The flight changes, and yeah. I was like. I, I don't care that I have to change planes and that I'm riding on Japan American Airlines for wow. uh, for a code share. That doesn't mean anything to me. And he was like, there is no such thing as Japan American Airlines. <laughs> it's Japan Airlines. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I know. And so, yeah, that's... So, uh, so no, I can't answer any of those questions. I don't want to know. Right, no problem. That's that's it. So yeah, so I'm coming to visit you in April. If you didn't know, I'm telling you now. Um, and I made sure that I was I got uh, direct flights. Well, so smart. I'm not changing flights or anything. I'm just getting on the plane, and then I'm getting off the plane, and I'll be there, and it'll be awesome. It so is. yeah, so that'll be in April, and I'm coming out to see a band that you're coming to see with me. Whether you don't even know what band it is, nope. and I'm not going to tell you, and we'll just go and we'll see what you think. Um, awesome! It'll be fun, and then we'll have dinner or whatever the night before. A double awesome! I am all about dinner, yeah. and you're staying at a really cool hotel, so you're going to enjoy it. And it's in a it's in a fun district. Is it okay? Yep, but uh, so I can wander around like one of the days and just kind of entertain myself. In, in the neighborhood? A day, an evening. I mean, not a whole day, but, you know, just like part of the day or part of the evening or part of whatever. Um, it's you're you're an Uber ride away from cool, okay. fun things to go look at and see and do. Okay. And then cool. you're walking distance away from an evening of entertainment. If you want to go like oh. walk around, uh, what, like I'll say bars, but it's... Um, it's just, well, I'll tell you all about it when you're here, but you're going to be on Rainy Street, okay. and a lot of the okay. bars are houses that have been converted into bars. And so oh, cool. it's a very cool thing. Fortunately, the charm of Rainy Street is being um, stamped out by uh, corporate America. And so they're knocking all these places oh. down and putting in high oh. rises. So. The oh. it's really it's really changed, but it started off super cool. So Rainy Street is not too far away from Sixth Street, which is where everybody okay, goes to there. drink, right? And yeah. that's the shitty area, very touristy, yeah. very Bourbon Street. Lots of like uh-huh. drunk people walking from bar to bar. Fights happen, all that sort of bullshit, right? Um, it always feels like th- th- it always feels like drunken sailors, yeah, to me, right? Gotcha. And so people would park around Rainy Street, so that way, one, parking was free, and two, mm-hmm. you're not going to get tagged by the cops for leaving a parking lot next to the bar at 2 o'clock right. in the morning, right? And right. So, so it was a lot of that happening, too. And um, as I understand it, this guy had a food truck, and he was like, there's so many drunk people walking around here. I'll just <laughs> serve them tacos at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he right. did, and he made some money, and... Not a ton, but I mean, you know, and uh, yeah. so his neighbors started to do the same thing. It was very much a rundown working class neighborhood. A lot of the people had mm-hmm. lived in the homes for like 30 years, right? Um, 
And so uh, somebody moved their their food trailer into their home and set up a restaurant and other people followed suit. And then um, corporations came in and bought the houses and made the homes nicer. And it's like you'll get it. You'll you'll see. But unfortunately, it didn't stop there. So for a while, Rainy Street was really cool because it was like all these houses that had been converted into bars and I'll say restaurants, but mostly it's about the drinking. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then it's just gone downhill from there. So it's it's been gentrified. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. The last remaining home on Rainy Street is for sale. Um, It is a shack and it is for sale for $10 million. Holy shit, really? Yep. Um, Good Lord. Pre-pandemic, the last remaining home that was occupied by a family um, was sold, and it was sold for $2 million. Wow. Yep. So just in the course of three years. That's insane. And I don't know if this, if the lot's bigger. I haven't done that research, right? I just I just know the story yeah, of like. Still, yeah, still, I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah, so, that's amazing. Giant difference. So it's even bigger anyway, than you. Anyway, I'm excited to come out and visit you, and, and I haven't seen you in 20 years. Uh-huh, in person. Since I got married in person. I so s- that's, that's a long fucking time. I said the same uh, thing so to James, be- and he said, you guys see each other every Sunday for like two hours. <laughs> You've been doing that for two years. I was like, well, that's true. Yeah, but it is different. It's different. It's different. So we'll have a good time. Um, and uh, yeah, the and the other thing that we'll have the best time. And the other thing that I'm doing is I'm finally getting the um, about two years ago. Um, speaking of two years, two years ago, I asked the contractor in Arizona to paint my house in Arizona, my shack in Arizona. And she said, sure. And then I never heard anything about it again. And I sent her an email reminding her that two years ago, I had asked her to do this thing. And she said, oh, yeah, it's on my schedule. We're going to do it really soon. So <laughs> I'm finally getting my house painted inside and outside <laughs> in Arizona, which is it's really funny that she said that because I'm sure she never thought about it a, a, another second after I asked her. And then when I asked her, she's like, oh, shit, I better get that done now. Um, but I did put up cameras. Did I tell you I put cameras up around the house? Oh, no, but also good idea. Yeah, so um, the, a couple of the houses in the neighborhood had been broken into recently. Um, not oh. ours, but um, a couple of them had, especially I think they were ones that people didn't live in full time. So um, she, the contractor suggested, she told me about that, and she suggested. She's so nice. I'm so lucky that I met her um, because she's really helpful with my house and everything. Um, but she suggested that we put up cameras because she has cameras too. So now I have like eight cameras set up at this tiny little house. Um, and I can see all the different sides of the house. And whenever somebody walks by on the sidewalk, I get a notification saying, you know, activity on your west side. And it's kind of fun. Um, but I'm really mad because I, every time I look at the cameras for that house, it's sunny and warm looking. And I'm sitting here in the freezing cold rain. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So we're going to have to say um, what's shaken bacon for you other than the weather. Now tell us all about it. Cause I want to hear weather, about yeah. I can tell you about the weather. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> so I hear I'm, national crisis. Yeah, it is terrible. We have sinkholes and like streets falling down and all kinds of things like that. So um, it's not good. Uh, but I, I really want to go back to Arizona soon, but I'm not sure I can now because uh, this year the company I work for has decided that everyone's coming back to work two to three days a week. So uh, I can't go work from Arizona if I'm supposed to be on site two to three days a week. But I think I'm going to ask my boss about it and see if I can get some sort of exception for a couple of weeks and go out to Arizona and uh, enjoy the sun there. Although it's, it's not really warm, it's, but it is sunny. So that'll be a nice change from this. And if I, if the freeways aren't shut down, which uh, some of them are, the 99 and the 5, some of the um, lanes on, on those freeways are, are flooded right now. So it's uh, really tough to get from one place to another. Uh, and I haven't haven't been anywhere in some time because of the rain. Uh, and I'm supposed to go next week to um, the Granite and Quartz shop or store or whatever. It's not really a shop. That sounds like a, a mom and pop store, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it is It's an not. expo. But I get to... It's an expo. I get to go and check out the granite and the quartz and, and not be able to decide what kind of quartz I want for my countertop. So that should be interesting. I, it's yeah. going to be great because you're going to have somebody there who's going to say, most people get this, right? Yeah. And they're going to point at the perfect slab. And you're just going to be like, that's great. That's the one I want. It's the slab I of my so. dreams. <laughs> 
Of course, if they say most people get this, I'll be like, I don't want what most people get. I want something different and unique. And then I'll pick out something that I think is interesting that ends up looking terrible. So that could happen. That's my future. <laughs> I'll send pictures to you though, so you can stop me from doing that. You can say you're gonna hate you. looking that every time. Uh, every time you walk in the kitchen, you're gonna despise what you picked out. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking right. of kitchens, if you do it right, you you see it once and then you never see it again. Never see it again. Exactly. That would be perfect. But speaking of kitchens, um, I sent you some olive oil for Christmas. Which I, which was not the brand that we're talking about today, but um, it was a local brand uh, from up near Petaluma. Um, but today we're going to be talking about a olive oil startup called Graza. Um, this holiday season was the first holiday season for the olive oil startup Graza, which was founded in January of last year. Uh, so they're very new. Um, their publicity says that they sell high quality oils of a single varietal from a single location in Spain, packaged in squeezable bottles at a reasonable price. Um, I probably should have sent you some of this oil so we could have talked about it, but um, I didn't. Oh, so, have no bad. fear. I bought some of that oil. You did? I did, but it hasn't arrived yet. Oh, too bad. Yeah, yeah. I was going to buy some, too. <laughs> so you have to let me know how good it is. But what do you put olive oil on? I mean, I guess everything, right? But what do you put olive oil on? Oh, well, so I cook with olive oil. So that's the oil okay. that I use, right? Okay. Um, and let's see. I, I mean, basically for me, olive oil, bread, olive oil and vinegar and bread. Um, yeah. I don't make a lot of my own salad dressing, so... Uh-huh. Don't do that. Not so much that. Yeah. yeah. But um, otherwise. Do you like drizzle it over vegetables and stuff like that? No. Do you put it in pasta? No. no so I don't I use mean, olive oil very much. Put it in boiling water use... for the pasta. Boiling water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. okay. All right. So this is, an, according to my godmother, who is New York Italian, mm-hmm. this is an Italian thing. You boil water and salt yeah. together. And then you pour in the olive oil, and then you put in the noodles. And what happens is the olive oil coats the noodles when you drain it, right? Um, I have heard that that is bullshit, but um, sure, it sounds like it would add some flavor to the pasta anyway, if nothing else. I don't. I don't taste the salt. I don't taste the olive oil. (laughs) Um, I didn't. I did the same thing. I usually boil it with salt, but I never tasted it before. But one of my um, former boyfriends said that um, the pasta that I made was too salty. So I guess it's possible to taste the salt, huh? That's crazy. I know. Nothing can be too salty. (laughs) Did he say? Number one, nothing can be too salty. But number two, you can't taste the salt on the. I've been doing it for years, and I'll use. Can't taste the salt. I won't say a handful of salt, but I'll I'll use. A fair amount. A good big giant double pinch of salt, like yeah, yeah uh, not quite a quarter cup. Uh, a, and you can't taste it. It's just, it's not possible no. to taste it. I think he I was think being he was passive aggressive and bad. angry at you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. What the tell would have been? <laughs> I didn't put salt in this, Peter. <laughs> That's right. That's what I would have done. <laughs> You're just being You're mean. You're much smarter than me. Much quicker than I am. Um, so where were we? Um, we were at olive oil. Price. Yeah, olive oil, a reasonable price. Um, the formula, okay, so the formula for the, their olive oil created a, actually quite a bit of a buzz, and they got a lot of positive press in multiple print and internet publications, including Bon Appetit, which I didn't realize was still going, but I guess it is. Um, and after the olive oils were featured in hundreds of holiday gift guides, the company struggled to keep up with orders. Customers who ordered sets of bottles received loose bottles, some of which were dented or with peeling logos. And the weather also worked against the company, causing delays due to snow and unusual heavy, unusually heavy rains, which we know all about here. Uh, the company's owner, Andrew Benin, decided to write his own apology email on December 29th to all of the company's 35,544 customers. He wrote it in just a few hours without consulting anyone else, including any HR or communications teams, which was easy because the company has only five employees. I can't imagine anyone sending out an apology email at a company to all of their customers without consulting HR or communications. I can't imagine any company having 35,000 customers and not having HR communications. But uh, there you go. It's true. It happens. Um, Not every company is a big company, and they don't all have HR. uh, And 
this is what happens. So the email ended up being 835 words and addressed each of the major complaints and apologized multiple times. One interesting thing is that um, the Benin did not include a link to the website in the email, which he says was intentional because the email was meant to be an apology and not promotional material. So that sounds pretty good. Um, and the Wall Street Journal agreed. Uh, they said the email explained in plain English and candid detail what went wrong and why. It took accountability for errors and offered a discount on future orders. It was raw, transparent about uncertainty, and messy with typos and misspellings. It was also oddly entertaining and strangely charming. 78% of the recipients opened the apology email, which is amazing. Like when I send out emails to people in my company, I expect less than 20% to open. Oh, yeah, no, please. Yeah. And 78% of people opened that email, and the response was overwhelmingly positive. Mr. Benin attributes the success of his email to communicating like a person, not like a business. All you need to do is dig deep, reflect on all the things in marketing and brand communication that piss you off, and do the exact opposite, Mr. Benin said. The promo code that the company gave to customers was for $4.43, which Benin said was the most it could afford. The Wall Street Journal says that weirdly specific number suggested it really was. In other words, giving less earned more trust with customers. So even though he did not run his email through HR or corporate communications, um, he got lucky and, and succeeded in his attempt. I could see it equally easily have, having gone terribly. I, I mean, definitely I could see it going south. I could see it yeah. becoming a horrible PR fiasco, right? Yeah. But I'll say the little bit of, a very little bit of digging around I did on the website and the little bit of reading his backstory that's also on the website. Yeah. Um, the sense I got from him is, or from the company, is that he is the brand. His sense of humor Basically. is the brand. Yeah. His his style is the brand. It's all, yeah. I, I don't want to say it's all him. I get that he's got four other employees but um but yes and so when he says he didn't go through hr or pr well you have five employees you are hr and pr at yeah. this point yeah and more importantly your customer base is the hipsters i'll i'll say those people that like well i don't know because they're you're right they were in um bon appetit and the New York Times, so that's not necessarily. So people hipsters. that know about food or are definitely interested in food. So I mean, they could be hipsters. I don't know. I don't know what the. I was thinking of those people that are like. attracted to startups for the very sake of supporting the underdog, or uh, oh, it's a startup. But no, because foodies really, yeah, the more organic and crunchy, the better. On one hand, but on the other hand, also quality speaks. So. Mm -hmm. um, Clearly, I'm just making stuff up now. It could be a combination. I mean, you know, so some some of each. But um, but yeah. So the the fact that the email was was uh, was messy and had typos and misspellings didn't seem to piss anyone off. Like it would have me. Um, I would have been annoyed to get a, an apology email with misspellings in it, uh, especially one that started "Hello, very important Graza person." So if I'm so important, why didn't you bother to proofread your fucking email? But Anyway, um, no, very few people felt like I did, apparently, because he got like 800 and some responses and they were all positive, I think. so. I could just see you crumpling that. I see it as a letter, <laughs> right? It's an email. You're crumpling that email up and throwing it on the floor. I'm never buying your high quality, delicious olive oil again. I will punish myself. Your typos. Cutting off my nose to spite my face. Your delicious olive oil will never be purchased yeah, by right. me. <laughs> I'll never enjoy it again. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, that's the olive oil. That's the grassa olive oil story. Um, do you have any additional information before we go on to talk about the apology itself? Oh, no. So for um, I'll say it again. For me, um, I felt like the story was really self-contained. Um, I was super, I'll use the word envious, but I think the more accurate word is jealous. Yeah. Very, very, very on fire jealous over this guy's life. Like, yes. 
oh, I live in Spain eight months of the year with my wife yes. and her Spanish family. And we live out in the country where all the olive oil trees grow. And I was unemployed and I didn't have a job and I was looking for work. And we live in Brooklyn three months a year. Oh, okay. Yep. I hate you already. This yeah, is my totally. life that you stole from me and give it to me now. Um, yeah. And so, so for that, like, got it. I understand why you wrote this letter without proofreading it and you're being authentic and you clearly just didn't dash it off and, and all that sort of stuff. So not so much that I'll just say like that felt done. And yeah. then olive oil, the history of olive oil, uh, yeah, who knows? Not so, not so. Right. Yeah. I mean, 4,000 years old. interested in olive oil already knows about olive oil. Right. And the history of olive oil, like the great olive oil wars of 1812, just, you know, nobody <laughs> wants to hear about that. <laughs> and so it was like, what am I left with? There's not a lot of history here that makes sense in the story. I could have pulled a bullshit move and been like, the history of Spain. Um, right. So instead, I was like, well, this is an apology that worked because I bought this stupid. Well, I shouldn't say stupid because I haven't had it yet. I bought this presumably delicious olive oil, olive oil. <laughs> um, on the basis of what? On the basis of how cute the bottles were, because they were pretty cute. They on cute. the basis of the great reviews that I saw yeah. online for the taste. Um, we do like olive oil in this house. Mm -hmm. um, and also because he did send out an apology that was so raw and personal and did not have a link to the website right right uh, it was like okay you know what uh i i want to try this and so this story cost me 43 dollars, which <laughs> makes me very angry and i'm going to buy the olive oil too so i i almost did yesterday but i didn't get around to hitting the button you but won't, yeah for sure you won't have to because it will be in my house so when you're here in austin i will right, bring it with it. me to the restaurant <laughs> put it down on the table i only have garza olive, olive oil with my food <laughs> i hope you don't mind may i have a plate please right. for my olive oil <laughs> the olive oil is so good that any old vinegar will do um <laughs> Oh, and then I'm also dying to try um, vanilla ice cream with a drizzle of olive oil and a pinch of sea Sounds salt horrible. on it. It does sound horrible, but have you ever had... But people say it's delicious. Have I ever had what? Vanilla ice cream with um, balsamic vinegar on it. No, but I have heard that that's good. That is so good. Um, it, it's like, it tastes so much like chocolate sauce, but not... Really? Yeah. Oh, it's really... I mean, honestly, I wouldn't steer you wrong. Um, or would I? No, I wouldn't. Um, okay, so Theo, what was interesting in this story for you? The times that corporate apologies went right. Um, so we could either go down that path and then look at his apology or look at his apology yeah. and then go. Uh, okay. Let's look at some other corporate apologies that went very well. I don't have too many of I'm them. I'm excited to hear about it. Well, I'm going to say yippee, skippy, hooray. Um, these were fun. Um, before I do that, though, I will also share that I learned something from the Garza website about olive oil, uh, which is extra virgin olive oil is the grapes. Is that what they are? The What do you call olives? olives? Yeah. I mean, do they? The fruit. That's it. The fruit. The okay. fruit. The the olives are harvested in October. And then you go back to the same tree in November Later. or December. It's, yeah. I could make up a joke right now about the difference between extra virgin and virgin. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, the difference is time. The difference is the month in which they are harvested. Right? October for extra. And then November, December for just the, the slutty virgin kind. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so hoorah. Um, now let's go to some corporate apologies that went well. This happened in 2017. Kentucky Fried Chicken in the UK ran out of chicken, and they had to shut down 900 restaurants across oh, yeah. the UK. And customers went to social media, and they were pretty upset, right? Like, how do you run out of chicken? Didn't you know Kentucky that you were chicken. supposed to have chicken? 
And so KFC took a risk by adding humor to its apology in a masterful and self-deprecating way. It took out a full-page ad in London newspapers that simply showed its signature chicken bucket empty with a reworked logo, FCK, <laughs> paired with a brief explanation of the problem and a vow that it wouldn't happen again. KFC saved its brand and its chicken. So, funny. I like that. FCK. Thank I get it, right? That, yeah, that's that funny. works. It's cute. It's bold. Um, another. This one's great. I almost sent you the link, and then I was like, oh, if I send her the link, she's going to figure out what I'm talking about, and I want to surprise her. So mm. I'll send you the link uh, later. But OB Tampons creates 10,000 personalized apology videos. I remember that. Ah, well. I remember that. They had my name. I was trying to Google this for your name. Um, and couldn't find it. So, uh, but I'm sure it's out there. I just have to Google harder. So, perhaps one of the best ways to apologize is to sing it. Mm, I don't know about that, but okay, fine. In 2010, <laughs> a line of OB tampons was abruptly taken off shelves after supply issues, and customers were furious. OB's parent company, Johnson and Johnson, sent a personalized apology song to all 65,010 women in the company's database with their name in the song. In all, the company made videos for 10,000 different names. Customers, I don't know how they did that. I mean, how do you make a video, an independent video? I, I mean, it was a CGI or how did they do oh, it? Because I'm, they actually I'm had someone singing my name. going to walk you through it. Okay. I'm going to walk you through it. <laughs> Because in this article, there was a link to the video, and I have uh -huh. never seen such glamour, such such ferocity in a song, <laughs> such humbleness. Yeah. It was it was all the Nesses. It was amazing. Yeah. It is it is comedy gold, and they did it on purpose, right? Um, wow! It was awesome. Okay. So, in all, the company made um, videos for over 10,000 different names. Customers could easily share the video on social media, which helped OB turn a potential PR disaster into a social media win. So, here's what happened. Um, uh, I'm going to say subscribers, and that's not the word I'm looking for. People Customers. Who, yeah, but people who signed up for, like, their newsletters, right? So, the, whatever. Subscribers. The, OB sent out uh, emails. And yeah. the email, when you click it up, is a beautiful image set against a blue background. There are three or four white doves flapping their wings mid-flight. And, and it says, a personal apology just for you. And then here we'll use a name because this really only works if you use a, a name, right? Mm -hmm. And the, um, the email reads, hi, Jenna. You may have gone to the shelf this past year and found that your favorite OB tampons were gone. For this, we're truly sorry. And when we say we're sorry, we mean it. In fact, we thought we'd show you just how sorry we are by writing you a personal song. It's our way of saying thank you for your continued loyalty to our products. Click here for your message from all of us on the OB tampons team. And then you click on it. And then it concludes by saying sorry. And then in parentheses, really, the OB tampons team. So you click on the link and it takes you to this video. It's a fantastic fucking video. <laughs> Here are my notes. I watched this thing three times. <laughs> it was honestly, it's so good. Um, okay, so the sun is setting over a handsomish guy playing a white piano on the edge of a cliff overlooking the sea. The scene cuts to a sheet of music on the piano, and a woman's name is emblazoned across the top. Jenna. The song begins, Jenna, whispered in a voice tinged with longing and regret. And then it, then it goes on. And it's done in this sort of like pop ballad, country western love song, kind of everything song. And it's really campy, but also kind of good, right? Um, and the song, the lyrics, I won't sing. Um, but mm -hmm. it's very impassioned, and Eddie, it's so awesome. He says, I know we went away and let you down. Jenna, believe me <laughs> when I say I'm going to turn this thing around. Jenna, 
And then the song continues, but the scene cuts, and this guy is, like, sitting in a tree on a big tree limb, right? Branch, I guess is the word. And, like, he's crouched down in these white jeans, and his thighs are splayed open, and his crotch is basically, like, in your face. And I'm going to emphasize, again, the white piano and the white jeans, right? Um and as the guy gets up, he's sort of thrusting his crotch at the camera, but the camera starts pulling back respectfully, giving him distance, <laughs> right? Um, so it's uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, and so let's see. So he rises, and the camera pulls back, and then he sings, calling out your name, calling out your name again, in case you didn't hear it the first time, Jenna didn't mean to make you cry, didn't want to say goodbye, we're sorry. We will write your name across the sky. Cue the airplane guy. And then they cut to a scene of Jenna being written by an airplane in the sky. Because where else is an airplane <laughs> going to write somebody's name? Yes. Um, and then he says, uh, he jumps out of the tree and he rips off one of his sleeves of his long sleeve shirt and he says, mm. we're sorry. And he's got the word sorry tattooed in a heart <laughs> on his arm. Uh-huh. And then um, he says, didn't want to say goodbye. And then he jumps around to the other side, you know, rips his other sleeve off. And then the name Jenna in a heart mm. is tattooed on his other arm. Um, and then he's thinking more about not wanting to say goodbye. And he releases this white dove that flies up into the sky. And the word sorry, which is made out of doves flying around, <laughs> is in the sky. And this dove goes up and joins all the other doves to help fill out, spell out the word sorry, right? And then uh, this hot air balloon appears in the scene underneath the doves. And it has the name Jenna written across the balloon, right? <laughs> um, and then he says, didn't want to say goodbye. We were really super wrong. You deserve the best and more. Take this coupon to the store. And then it ends with him on top of a cliff under a triple rainbow with doves that appear holding a banner that you click to get your coupon. It wow. was so amazing. I That's a lot. Absolutely in love with it. When you ask, like, <laughs> oh, I left out parts. Like, the name oh Jenna is spelled out with rose petals on the beach, right? Wow. Um, when, when you say, like... How did they do that? How did they How did not they do, do that? that? They spelled her <laughs> name 500 different times, right? Good Lord. Um, and so it was just the best. I will send you the link to it because it is unbelievable. Um, then we go from um, the greatest comedy video of all time to this one was really sad. Toyota makes a personal apology visible. Toyota's biggest nightmare happened in 2010 when more than 8 million cars were recalled and nearly 90 people were killed because of accidents Jeez. caused by the defects. Right. And I'm like, okay, how's that a successful apology? But okay, you want to put it up? Well, they didn't say successful. Wow. They said best. Right. And so, okay. the, um, so the CEO offered his personal condolences to the family and emotionally apologized to all customers, which, you know, I'm going to say, having worked for a Japanese company for a few years and having had to yeah. take a couple of um, corporate courses on Japanese corporate culture, like, so mm -hmm. as an American, I could function in the company uh, without mm -hmm. creating offense every five minutes. I mean, fuck mm -hmm. the American companies that I work for. That's uh, eat that offense, everybody. Mm -hmm. Um I'm going to say, like, a personal apology from, from the CEO is massive and major, but considering that people died, he should have at least resigned. At least resigned, yeah. right? Yeah, but, right. Okay, so uh, so he made a personal apology, and to make sure everyone got the message, Toyota created an ad campaign admitting it had, it had not lived up to its safety standards and took out ads in major newspapers um, also saying that it hadn't lived up to its own standards and that it would look after fixing safety issues, which to me is just like, I guess what what makes that one of the best corporate apologies is that it was the CEO who apologized right. for it. Right. But it just, 
why is that here on a list? But it was. So so I offer that as a nice counterbalance to the OB tampon. They should do everybody's. Of course, you can't really can't really apologize for your product killing people. So there are no there are no appropriate jokes to be made in that. Um, But this one's good. We're going to we're going to turn it around with some of my least favorite humor, but it is part of the story. So I apologize in advance for this. Domino's response to a prank video with an apology video. In 2009, a video of Domino's employees putting cheese up their nose and farting on the salami they used for customers' pizza went viral. Ew. Yep. The two Domino's pizza employees in Conover, North Carolina, posted Mm. YouTube videos of themselves flippantly violating multiple public health codes. The two employees, once identified were soon arrested on food tampering charges, which in North mm-hmm. Carolina constitute a felony. Wow. Yeah. So for our international listeners who may not know, a felony is like the big, the, like a really big, Serious awful crime. crime. That's, that's some heavy shit. Um, in addition to the lives of two people being ruined, haven't Googled those people to find out what they're doing, but they're probably working for Pizza Hut. Um, the reputation... They probably own Pizza Hut or manage... <laughs> They, CIOs and CEOs of Pizza Hut now. Right, exactly. We learned from our social media mistakes, and we're here to help you. That's right. In addition to the lives of two people being ruined, the reputation of Domino's Pizza also suffered a serious setback. The company quickly mounted a PR campaign to repair its public image and restore customer trust in the band, brand. Tongue. Domino's CEO, Patrick Doyle, this poor SOB, um, responded with a heartfelt apology video, which I did watch, and this poor guy is like having to apologize for the actions mm-hmm. of these two two kids. Yeah, exactly. In North Carolina. Yeah. Had nothing else to do while they were working yeah. other than make videos. So right. he apologized for the incident and he thanked customers for their ongoing support. His apology um which is pretty brief um but again as he's looking into the camera you can just feel he is sorry. And it's not that he's sorry he has to be there. And it's not uh-huh. that he's sorry that it's, it just, it had so he's many really far reaching consequences. Right. Um, but here we go. And I will not read it in a funny voice. Um, <laughs> hello, I'm Patrick Doyle, president of Domino's USA. Recently, we discovered a video of two Domino's team members who thought that their acts would be a funny YouTube hoax. We sincerely apologize for this incident. We thank members of the online community who quickly alerted us and allowed us to take immediate action. Although the individuals in question claim it's a hoax, we are taking this um, incredibly seriously. This was an isolated incident in Conover, North Carolina. The two team members have been dismissed and there are felony warrants out for their arrest. The store has been shut down and sanitized from top to bottom. There is nothing more important or sacred to us than our customers' trust. We're re-examining all of our hiring practices to make sure that people like this don't make it into our stores. We have auditors across our country in every store, every day, making sure that our stores are as clean as they can possibly be and that we're delivering high-quality food, blah, services, blah. The independent um, owner of that store is reeling from the damage that this has caused, and it's not a surprise that this has caused a lot of damage to our brand overall. It sickens me that the actions of two individuals could impact our great system where 125,000 men and women work for local business owners around the U.S. and more than 60 countries all over the world. We take tremendous pride in crafting delicious food. (laughs) God, I'm trying to... Just shut up, Theo. Don't even. Restrain <laughs> yourself. I know. I know. I really, it needs to end in a joke, but I mean, in a dumb joke. Um, crafting delicious food that they deliver to you every day. There, there are so many people who have come forward with messages of support for us. And we want to thank you for hanging in there with us while we work um, to regain your trust. Thank you. And so, again, he was very... Um, not deer in the headlights, but you could just tell that he was like, God, this sucks. It is the worst uh-huh. thing of all time. And and it was clear that he was very sorry for the impact this had on innocent people. And he had nothing to do with it. I mean, he wasn't there uh-huh. with the salami himself. So, uh, uh-huh. but, you know, good good for him. And, um, and yeah, and what a shame that I didn't write any jokes to conclude 
his apology with. All right. So let, let's hear what Garza had to say. Graza. Graza. I kept calling them Garza too. Yeah. So that's, that's weird. Um, but they're Graza. Um, so their apology, like, like I mentioned, was over 800 words. And I'm not going to read all 800 words. I'll just read the first paragraph. Um, and it said, hello, very important Graza person. I hope you're having a lovely holiday season. I'll try to keep things brief as we all have better things to do than read long emails from your favorite olive oil company. This is simply an acknowledgement that we are not perfect, and we are aware that we may have disappointed some folks over the past 60 days and into the gifting season. I can assure you that our team is hard at work improving, and that our primary intention is always to provide the best quality olive oil at the best price, and we go above and beyond to ensure that primary promise. However, I want to apologize for not being excellent in terms of your customer experience. And then after that, he went into details um, addressing each complaint that uh, each common complaint that had come up in the course of the event and talking about uh, why everything why each item went wrong what happened and how they were going to address it going forward so when we look at this from our our, our criteria standpoint um, was there an expression of regret yes was there an explanation of what went wrong yes he explained why the bottles arrived dented and why the logos were flaking off and he went on to say how they were going to improve the experience there was an acknowledgement of responsibility there was a declaration of repentance several times, in fact. Uh, there was an offer of repair. They uh, said what they were going to do to improve, and they also said um, they also gave the $4.43 promo code. And there was request for forgiveness. So uh, for this apology, I would rate it a 9, and the only reason that I don't rate it a 10 is because of the misspellings and typos that I mentioned before that annoy me. <laughs> um. So what's funny is when when I was thinking like, all right, what am I going to rate it? I was like, oh, I'm going to give it an eight. And then an eight felt too high, but mm. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, okay. I had worked out of myself where it was going to be a 7.5, but okay. I'm going to go with my first, which was an eight because you gave it a nine. Um, and why am I giving it less You're than you? You're usually higher than me. I know. So yeah, I what, are, what, what could have been better? I... So, what could have been better, Theo? Well, not much, <laughs> Juliet. You're quite right about that. Um, but where you're wrong is there was one bit in there I didn't love, and that is when he blames his technology company. I didn't like that for, either. Right. For like whatever it was about. For the website yeah. not working and, perfectly. And fair enough, right? But you guys hired your tech company, and That's you've right. been they working with you, them through basically. the issues. And so yeah. saying like, Oh, and we hired the shitty tech company, and oops, that was a mistake. But don't worry, we're going like, to fix no it. He was like, "No thanks to our tech company, or whatever, and or something like that," which is really like, a that's that's really passive and sort of underhanded, and and b I work in technology, and so it's sort of and how dare you insult my industry? And how dare you insult technology? Um, because it's probably not entirely their fault, but but whatever. Right, exactly. So but I agree with you. So uh, so that I didn't love, and then um, it's not so. Clearly, the apology worked on me, and also the reviews, yeah. and it was more the yeah. reviews because I did I did give him forty three bucks, um, six dollars yeah. for shipping, um, so so yeah, but uh, but it it wasn't the flippancy because uh, hi here I said I love flippancy, mm -hmm. um, but yeah it was it was just some of the tone wasn't quite hitting it all with me, but that's a personal thing. I yeah, and you know what's going to happen. I agree with you. I didn't really like it that much either. I didn't think it was brilliant, but um, but other people liked it. So yeah, I mean, you know, so maybe I'm coming down to an eight. Too. It was no ob tampon apology, <laughs> which is a ten that was, plus. That was brilliant. Yeah, that that is a maxi apology. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yes, I did. Good job. Oh, hey, I have a question for you. Um, yes. This is so random and digital. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. Oh, I, um, hmm. a a friend of mine who is a parent uh -huh. has a child who um who uh, who had had their first uh, menstrual first cycle. Period. Yes, thank yeah. you. Right, awesome. And so. Um, Right, exactly. Yippee. And so uh, James was sharing that news with me. And then uh -huh. I said, 
Um, oh, that's great. Did you ask how it was? Was it <laughs> painful or had there been a lot of PMS, um, you know, symptoms, signs the week before? Did the mother uh-huh. like connect two dots together? Like, oh, God, you're usually a horrible teen, but you were extra, right? Yeah. And he said, it didn't occur to me to ask, can you ask those things? And I was like, I don't know, to be honest with you, because yes, while it's personal at the same time, I was, I was raised in a household of women. And so I I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask specifically, but I might, I might ask like, were there any problems or (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't, that's bordering on creepy. Okay. Okay. I mean, you don't need details of a young woman's menstrual uh, that's, period. That's true, and I wouldn't be. I mean, let's be very clear here. I wouldn't be interested. How much blood was there? Well, it's just I know that for some, for some women, their menstrual cycle can be complicated and and painful, yeah. and it can impact their their life, right? And I think that's the thing that I would be trying to get to would be like, you know, was it a problem? Or, I don't think you'd really know from the first period because you know that 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 one tends to be a little rougher, I think, than than following ones might be. Uh-huh. But I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, that's a good question. Um, thank you. Can you tell from the first period how um, future periods are going to be? I would say the answer is probably not really. But I would say but not I would think really. That's too. a really personal question that I wouldn't ask. Right. I, would, I, would, I would let that be private. Well, I would say like <laughs> yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I will not be calling to follow up the conversation. Certainly don't call the daughter to ask. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I, I'm not friends with the kid. Yeah. Uh, that would be inappropriate, Julia. And you wouldn't be if you did that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. I'm glad you asked. I've saved you from possible uh, shame. Oh, there's no saving me from shame. It, it, it is a daily. Oh, I'm going to cry. But yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's olive oil covered and saved. We've yeah. done America's work for them again. Thank God. Um, do you have a who's sorry now or an apology expected? I do. I have an apology awesome. expected. Well, let's say she's already said that she will never apologize for this. But I strongly suspect that she's wrong and she will be. Once I share with you that Home Secretary um, Swella Braverman, hi, God, lazy writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Braverman has described immigration into the UK as an invasion. Uh. And Holocaust survivor Joan Salter, 83, said the language was similar to Nazi rhetoric and exchanged with Braverman um, during a public town hall. Uh So Salter says, in 1943, I was forced to flee my birthplace in Belgium and went across war-torn Europe and dangerous seas until I was finally able to come to the UK in 1947. When I hear you using words against refugees like swarms and invasion, I'm reminded of the language used to dehumanize and justify the murder of my family and millions of others. Why do you find the need to use that kind of language? Braverman thanked her for the question and then said, Uh, and then uh, said she shared a huge amount of concern and sympathy for migrants, highlighting that her own parents were not born in the UK. She maintained that all illegal immigration was a major problem though. There is a huge problem that we have right now where it comes to, when it comes to illegal immigration, the scale of which we have not known before. I won't apologize for the language that I've used to demonstrate the scale of the problem. Braverman said, I will not shy away from saying we have a problem with people exploiting our generosity. Have you been to the UK? Um, Breaking our laws and undermining our system. Um, So, yeah, I think that Braverman is probably going to be coming out with an explanation that's a bit more nuanced. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, I don't know how you look a Holocaust survivor in the face and then say the rhetoric that I'm using, which is similar to what the Nazis used, is justified in this situation, in these circumstances, because we're such nice people. And Right. Right. So, 
Um, well, not a fan, Braverman. I don't find you braver man at all. At all. What about you? Apology expected? Who's sorry now? Given that you're perfect. I have an apology expected. <laughs> it's always. And yeah. what's who what? Given that you're perfect, it's never oh, who's yes. sorry now. Right. Of course. I never have anything to apologize for. Um, it's This is from Endpoints News. Um, California is taking three big pharmas and three pharmacy benefit managers to court over their roles in keeping insulin prices high. The states filed a superior court complaint on Thursday accusing Sen- Sanofi. I think Sanofi, Sanofi, Novo Nordisk, and Eli Lilly of aggressively raising the list price of their insulin products in lockstep with each other to artificial levels. The state also accused the pharmacy benefit manager defendants OptumRx, CVS, Caremark, and Express Scripts of obtaining rebates from the manufacturers for favorable placement on formularies, thus incentivizing the companies to raise their list prices higher and higher. Insulin prices have climbed more than 600% in the last 20 years, NPR reported in September, right? The rising costs has forced people to ration or skip doses of insulin despite risks such as loss of sight and limbs or even death. These harms are further compounded for black, Hispanic, and low-income communities in California as they are more likely to be diagnosed with diabetes and to be uninsured or underinsured, the complaint says. According to the court documents, insulin costs under $10 a month to manufacture. Wow. And it's costing people thousands of dollars to buy per month. So wow. people aren't able to afford it. Like like they said, people aren't able to afford their insulin and they're they're not taking it. They're skipping doses and they're they're losing their limbs and they're dying because they can't afford this. And and there's no reason that these prices should be so high. There in in my opinion, there really is not. So um I hope there will be I hope the California wins its lawsuit and that the um these pharmas apologize. Well, I don't know that they'll apologize, but I, I'm sure, I mean, I know the Biden administration did something that capped insulin prices at $35 a month. Yeah, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what the scope of that is. So I have to look into that, but um, I, I did read something about that. I don't know if that was just for Medicaid or, or what that was for, but. Oh, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is just for Medicaid, but um, it's very pharma bro to me um, hearing this. I had no yeah. idea about the the massive price increase. Um, That's crazy. Because things should get cheaper over time. Cheaper. Yeah. Right. I mean, as you pay off your development costs, and and as the um, as, as your you patent disappears or whatever, become and, more efficient, and yeah, things should, should get less expensive. But so far, that's not been the case with insulin. So, boo. Super boo. Um, especially Super since boo. it's nature's weight loss drug too, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. I don't. I don't I, is it maybe? Oh no! I like. Uh, there's a whole complicated cascade of thing that happens around hunger and weight and all that. Just in terms of yeah. physiology, that and insulin does something. I, it. I don't know. I forget. It transmits hunger. I don't know. I don't remember. I only made a B <laughs> in physiology. <laughs> And that was a few years ago now, so... Yes, it was. Only five, but <laughs> long enough years. for me to not care anymore. Hi, physiology. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the B. Um, well, I guess that wraps up our show. Speaking of bees, no segue to nothing. That brings our, our episode to an end. Um, all right, everyone. Stay cool, cucumbers. Um, don't trip potato chip. And we'll <laughs> see you next week. Where do you find these things? You just, like, go on the internet and, like... <laughs> Corny but cool things to say. (laughs) (laughs) They just cross my path and then I adopt them. So, all right, everyone, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Oh, no, we won't. There'll be a classic next week because um, Theo will be be in in the the Philippines. Philippines. In the Philippines. Uh, So, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a great time and uh, talk to you later. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. listening to apologies accepted the podcast you can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes to submit an apology or find out more visit us at apologiesaccepted.net where you can also find our merchandise we're on twitter at apologies accepted and on instagram at apologies.accepted you can support our important work at patreon forward slash apologies accepted and fuck facebook <laughs> bye <laughs> bye <laughs>